to Very Amusing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and happy Hanukkah! We are at this point a few nights in, but I'm recording this on the very first evening of Hanukkah, which has been great so far. Um, as I shared on social media, I forced my husband to get me presents like a child. <laughs> Because um, I feel like I'm doing a lot of work growing a human and I deserve little treats. So uh, I got my first night gift tonight and it was an old vintage Disneyland ashtray, which I plan on putting either jewelry in or little uh, little wrapped candies in. And I'm so excited about it because it's so retro and it's a green glass. It's so so cool and I'm excited to see what the nights ahead hold. Traditionally, when you're younger, you know, every night for Hanukkah, you light a candle. You say a little blessing, and then uh, you get to rip open one of eight presents. So I haven't done it in so, so, so long uh, because, you know, for other holidays, specifically Christmas, usually, I think as from what I understand, typically you wake up Christmas morning and everyone in the family has gifts under the tree regardless of age. But for Hanukkah, for the most part, you're only getting eight gifts if you're young or if, like, you know, you're in school. And so for me, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm very, very thrilled about it. But moving on to more pressing matters. As you have likely noticed, because you are already listening to this episode, this is not, um, uh, this is not technically a Shrek-sember episode. And allow me to explain. So Shrek-sember is not over. De- December and Shrek-sember are not over yet. But I flew too close to the sun. There was an episode I was trying really, really hard to land for this week specifically. Uh, it's a bit of a, a bit of a get. It's a, a, a tricky one. It's not. I feel like people are gonna think it's Mike Myers. It's not, it's not Mike Myers. Like, don't worry about it. Uh, but it is like a special one that I really want to do, and I wasn't able to get everything confirmed in time for this week. I am not gonna spoil what it is because I'm still hoping we'll be able to do it next week for the very end of the month, and it'll be just as relevant then as it is now. But because we weren't able to just squeak it out in time for this week, I wanted to run our end of your episode now. And the next week we will have a Shrek related episode to wrap everything up. So a little, a little flippy floppy, um, which sadly um, sometimes happens when the person who records this podcast is also producing it and is also scheduling it, is also planning it, and is also tired and is also eating way too many uh, holiday cookies and then gets sugar sleepy. So I apologize. I apologize for breaking from Shrek Sember form a little bit for this week, but just know it is still Shrek Sember. I'm currently wearing my Shrek sweatshirt just to wear my, my pride on my chest so that you know I still am celebrating it. Um, we are just going to tip a little to, uh, tip a little cap to the year in review here on this week's episode of Very Amusing. So I'm sorry if you were expecting another Shrek one. I promise there is more Shrek to come next week, but this week we're doing end of year, which was so fun to reflect on everything that happened in 2022. Oh my God, out of context, that sounds incorrect. But in terms of very amusing, uh, we had a lot of fun episodes and it was really, really fun to revisit them and kind of pull and pick and choose my highlights to share with you. So I hope you enjoy this one. I will turn it over to to all of the clips that we're going to play. And thank you for your Shrek Summer understanding. Okay, be right back. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy 
corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey, y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. our year and best of 2022 episode. Now, as you probably know, if you're listening to this podcast, theme park planning has only gotten more difficult in 2022. And we've spent loads of time this year unpacking all the best ways to conquer your next theme park visit. Whether it's tips on what to eat, how to literally get on a ride because you need to research that now, to everything else you would need to know, here are a few of our most reliable tips, best segments, and well, all-time favorite yummies. First up, from our March episode, here are some of my unexpected favorite Disneyland snacks, all of which were under six bucks. Those are the essentials, the things you can't miss if you are going to Disneyland only for one day or only for one trip. But me personally, I have my own preferences that I don't always get to write about. So I figured why not share them here and maybe have you yell at me because you (laughs) deeply disagree. (laughs) Now, a disclaimer that I want to add at the top. I know that any food list involving Disneyland that doesn't mention certain foods is cause for an uprising. So I want to flag that I I left Dole Whip off because we all know about Dole Whip. It's not, that's not an unexpected thing you need to know about. And even though it doesn't fit in this price point, I think I have to mention that I do not intend to disparage bread bowls ever in any of my life's work. People love bread bowls. The problem for me is that I simply cannot recommend them most of the time when it's this hot most of the year. I don't know how all y'all are are repping a broccoli cheddar soup in California when it gets this hot. I understand it's delicious. I understand in wintertime it hits so well. There are so many different bread bowl options throughout the resort. Yes, and I know uh, the Boudin Bakery in Disney California Adventure. You get like a like a like a Boudin sourdough sourdough bread bowl, and it's like you're at the bread factory. I get it. I get it. It is just not for me, and it will not be reflected here, even though the price point just bounces it out. I will never recommend that you just eat a bread bowl as a piece of bread either, because I think you can get it alone, and it probably fits this price point. Again, not a bread bowl person. <laughs> we are moving on. <laughs> My next item, surprise to no one is a pretzel with cheese. But wait, there's more. I promise there's more. I got one recently at Refreshment Corner, and I feel like a big old dumb dummy because I never go here for pretzels. Never. And it was a huge mistake on my part. I did not know that Refreshment Corner at Disneyland, just off of Main Street, USA, sells Mickey-shaped pretzels with the good cheese. Not a peeled top cheese, people. I'm talking a little plastic, a little hot plastic cup with dunkable nacho cheese. When I 
opened my bag and I saw it, I screamed. Now, I should know it was there, and I didn't. And for that, I apologize to all of you. (laughs) But I never really think to go there for pretzels. It's just not the way my mental map of Disneyland works. And I also was able to add cherry syrup to a Coke Zero, which isn't really a move I usually go for. But at the time, getting a pretzel, getting a cherry Coke Zero, oh my God. Oh, it was such bliss. Highly recommend. And an affordable snack that I will approve of because it's not that debatably warm peel-top cup of cheese. If you are interested in even more food recommendations, be sure to check out our episode from June all about the best places to eat at Walt Disney World, aka a hit list of my very favorite theme park restaurants. We covered a lot of ground this year, including delving into the nightmare scape that is Genie Plus more than once. I still need to update our guides as the pricing model has shifted. (laughs) Spoiler alert, things are more expensive, as have a few other features, including that you can now modify ride selections, which is great. But the core advice for how to use Genie Plus and Lightning Lanes remains the same, which is why I wanted to pull out some of the most useful anecdotes from our Genie Plus specific episode with Brooke McDonald. Brooke has used this service more than anyone I know and offered some incredible advice about how she schedules her days with and without Disney Genie Plus, along with other valuable tips and tricks. Here is just a taste of her worthwhile recommendations, which she graciously shared here on our podcast back in April. I think you kind of have to reframe your thinking and and think about Genie Plus as maybe think of it as a discounted individual lightning lane because you'll probably get two out of it. Because if you're not willing to wait 80 to 100 minutes for Tower of Terror or something, your choices are basically rope drop for some of the parks and some of the rides. Do it at the end of the day or pay the money. But just that's just going to get you those couple that you really want. So we kind of decided like, okay, what, you know, I said to my kids, what do you most want to ride? how is this day going to be a disappointment if we don't do X, Y, or Z? And then it was like, okay, so that's what we're going to go for with Genie Plus. We did a lot of things we don't always do. My kids like shows, they love Tiki Room and Carousel Progress and all that kind of stuff, but not every kid does. And so we kind of used the middle of the day for that or going back for pool time. And I think that that's probably the way to do Walt Disney World right now is to rope drop, hit the mornings hard, and then consider getting that second lightning lane when return times are so much later in the day, possibly even at another park. Because what happens is you get your morning, but by the time you can get your next one, they're pushed so far back in the day that you might not still be planning on being at that park anymore. Early entry for resort guests is huge. It's so, you get so much more mileage out of that even than Genie Plus. We actually did early entry, we rode Frozen, Test Track, Soarin', and living with the land, um, we waited a total and we you know, got through all of those. We were super leisurely, stopped and got a donut um, and kind of did all of that in, I don't know, 90 minutes or so. Um, so and then we ended up going back to the hotel and, you know, going back out later in the day. Um, so that early morning is when you can get a lot done. And the middle of the day is when it's really tough to get Genie Plus return times. And the standby queues are just really, really long. So I think my biggest tip is really to just kind of lay low in the middle of the day or do shows or do a table service lunch or something like that. 
So if someone was going to plan their trip and they're planning on, they have park hopper tickets or they have an annual pass, they're going to go to multiple parks in one day. Do you have any advice on how they should stack their trip? So what park should they start in until they're able to hop? And then is there anything you'd recommend hopping to? But most importantly, if you are combining parks, is there one you think is more beneficial to start the day at? Hmm. I mean, Magic Kingdom, you can rope drop you can get the most rides in i would say um by rope dropping at magic kingdom so i think i'd probably say that um is a great starting park uh and a lot of people for a long ever since genie has launched have kind of looked at um doing sort of the afternoon stacking of fast passes at hollywood studios so while your instinct might be to do that um you sometimes they really still just run out um so i would say if you were planning on trying to do that and grabbing afternoon hollywood studios um it would be a good plan but you would you shouldn't expect to get more than two um and those rides creep up so quickly too that um if you keep an eye if so say at 7 a.m and you're going to try to just stack an afternoon at hollywood studios and do standby in the morning at magic kingdom um, if you just keep an eye on those returns, they go up so fast that you could kind of choose, okay, I'm going to get a 4 p.m. You know, I'm going to wait until um, Tower of Terror is at 4 p.m. And then I'm going to grab that because chances are at two hours after opening, everything else that's available is going to be even later than 4 p.m. Um, so that's probably how I would do that and just expect that you're not going to get any lightning lanes for the morning. Um any other park hopping um, split? I mean, I love doing a split between Hollywood Studios and Epcot because they're easy to travel between. Um, and Epcot opens typically a little bit later. Well, no, they're kind of opening at the same time right now. Um, I don't know. All of the splits work. Animal Kingdom is a killer park to do in the evening because it's so killer in a good way because yes. <laughs> everything, is, everything is low weights. Um, the best day you could probably have without buying Genie Plus would be rope drop Magic Kingdom and then do Animal Kingdom in the afternoon and you'd be able to ride so much without needing to get it. Brooke's helpful advice brings us to our planning guides. Over the summer, we released hyper-detailed planning guides for Disneyland in California and Disney World and Universal Orlando Resort in Florida. And while I do hope to put written versions of all of these out in the future, the intent here was really to give listeners an easy way to study up for their trips while cooking family dinner or commuting to work or living their already busy lives. Because who has the time to sit down and study for a vacation? Which is why the convenience and ease that these episodes offered for future theme park planning might be what I'm most proud of at the end of 2022. I strongly believe that these theme park resorts, Disney specifically, desperately need to retain more of that vacation feel, especially considering the ever-increasing prices paired with how truly challenging and at times burdensome these resorts still are to visit. For help planning any trip to those locations, I highly, highly recommend listening to those episodes. And be sure to stay tuned because they will be updated in the future. I also hope to tackle Universal Studios Hollywood, which I will likely do closer to the opening of Super Nintendo World, and all of the international Disney parks, so stay tuned for that as well. Moving on! 
on. We had a gaggle of fantastic celebrity guests this year, which we're going to play some highlights from. Andrew Barth Feldman made two appearances on Very Amusing in quick succession, but his first visit to our goofy corner of the internet came in May 2022 on his Hidden Mickeys episode. You may be familiar with Andrew from his work on Broadway as the titular star in Dear Evan Hansen, his solo music career, his role in High School Musical, the musical, the series, or in Ratatouille, the musical as Linguini, but also perhaps from the Disney World trips of yesteryear? Here's Andrew to explain. What kind of frequency were you visiting Disneyland and Disney World with throughout your life? How often were you there? Or or did you go constantly at the same time? What was that whole situation? Yeah, at a at a base level, we my family and I were going to Disney World once a year for three weeks. Woo! When I was when I was growing up, we would rent a house, bring the whole family and like the dogs and everything down, drive and be there for three weeks. So that was the base level. And then on any given year, someone in my family would have like a business trip to California. So we'd all go and go to Disneyland. Um, we did a few trips to Europe. So twice we went to Disneyland Paris. Um so I, I, people ask how many times I've been to the park, and I don't know. I don't know the answer, but it's certainly far upwards of 20 because that's about how old I am. So, like, it's, 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 we went a lot. We went quite a bit. It was, it was a real, like, ancestral thing for us to go. Oh, my God. It's so interesting because I don't think I've ever spoken to anyone who visited for that long because that kind of yeah. adds up to having lived there. It really like three weeks is a really long time, especially when you're that young. Like it's like an eternity. I remember it a lot of a lot of it really vividly. Um, And you know what? There's enough to do. There is enough to do for three weeks, especially the way my family did it. We're like we'd maybe split up and like my grandparents would call my mom and be like, hey, it's not raining over here in Animal Kingdom. And then we drive over, like, you know, like we would just go and do it and take our time. And we do downtown Disney as it was at the time. And we would go to Universal and and like maybe SeaWorld. You know, there's a there's so much to do in not I'm not trying to do an ad for the state of Florida right now, but there's so much there's so much to do around that it was a it was some of the best trips ever. Before we chatted, I listened back to your interview on D23 Inside Disney with my friend Jeffrey Epstein. Um, and I remember during that, you said that you muted everyone on Twitter but the Muppets. That's right. I have a, a Muppestemic bubble, as I call it. <laughs> I Listen, I've been on social media for a long time, and it has not been pretty. And I have never thought of that. And that is the ideal way to do it. Yeah, it's Twitter is awesome for me because it was just I don't I don't. I, I've kind of cut off all social media over the last few, I guess, like year or so, which is, has been great. But as I was going through and just muting everybody on Twitter, I got to the Muppets and I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. You know, and then I ended up with a Twitter that's just Muppet. It's very good. <laughs> I feel like it can let you trick your brain into thinking you just go to school with the Muppets. It's it's funny because like it's like I want to go out on the street and be like, have you heard about, you know, this thing everyone's talking about on Twitter? And no, not everybody's talking about it. Just all the Muppets are talking about it. And that's my number one source of news on just the Muppet. <laughs> and sometimes they do something and I hear what each of them has to say about it because they each do sit like when Muppets Haunted Mansion was coming out, they each said a different thing about it. And I was like, oh, man, everybody's talking about Muppets Haunted Mansion. Everybody, the whole world. <laughs> I know it's all it's trending. 
Oh my. Number one, the only thing even that anyone's talking about. Oh my God. It just incredible. If you were hired for a one month run in any Disney Parks live production, so like a Hoop Dee Doo and Indiana mm-hmm. Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular, mm-hmm. is there one that you would immediately want to do? Marlin in Finding Nemo the Musical. Wow. That's the easiest answer I've ever given to anything. I, I do my Nemo medley in, in the show. I, I was like, growing up, I was always like, oh God, just give me like 30 years. I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. I could do that. I really <laughs> would love to do it. I think I would be a very good nervous dad in, uh, not right now, but give me some time. I would love, love to do that. Wow. Um, how do you feel about the show being changed? Cautiously optimistic. That's, that's my, that's my answer. Whatever it is, is great. As long as those songs are still there. Like, it's not about like, it's, it's truncated so much that it's not about the arc of the story, even though I do, I cry every time. Yes. Sometimes I see it twice in the same day and I cry both times, but like, I, 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 as long as it's this, those songs are still there. I think that's, that's all that matters. not to love him and sidebar Andrew was not exaggerating about loving that show to the point where I texted him a little video of his favorite part when I saw it in October in Animal Kingdom and he sent me back the happiest cheesiest selfie I love how much he loves it we had an absolute blast hanging out on the Disney wish during its inaugural sailing which as some of you may recall led to myself Andrew and his cabin mate Joshua Bassett recording a full episode in their stateroom. We got coffees. We had a gab session. We were late to a show because we talked for too long. It was one of the highlights of the year. And I even have the whole thing on video and completely forgot about it and never really posted it anywhere. So if you want to see that version, let me know. Maybe I'll fire up the old YouTube or at least plop a segment of it on TikTok somewhere. Anyway, I had so much fun meeting and getting to know Josh and really getting to know Andrew in person on the Disney Wish. And here are a couple of highlights from that chit chat. We've talked about our shared love of Monsters University. Which we love Monsters University. And I love it because you get to see characters working towards something, which is why Mm. I love Princess and the Frog. Yes. Because Tiana's the only one who has a job. Right, right. (laughs) Also, Josh loves cars too. Uh, yeah, we watched Cars 2 the other day to take a nap. What? <laughs> You're a Cars, Cars 2 fan? 2. Listen, when I was 11, it was the coolest movie I've ever seen. <laughs> I was I, I watched the movie four times in theaters. I was so what? obsessed with Finn McMissile. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I wanted to be a spy, and I wanted to be a car. <laughs> I was like, I am I am in. I am One day, in. when I grow up, I'm going to be a car. <laughs> yeah, specifically a spy car. But yeah, no, I just... And then Mater... Wait, somebody in the family had to take you to Cars 2 four times? Yes, they did, unfortunately. Fortunately, for me. Not for But yeah, no. And like seeing Mater, the underdog, become the superhero and like kind of accidentally and like clumsily and like watching him transform and be like his the best, best friend and like come through and him getting his own movie. I know everyone hates Cars 2 for whatever reason. I, again, I haven't seen it since I was like 12 other than when we took a nap. So I didn't (laughs) see it still. (laughs) But I just remember always loving that movie and never getting why everyone. Well, stand behind it then. Yeah, no, I stand behind it. I stand behind it. Hundred percent. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. My brother and I saw the Beauty and the Beast live show at Hollywood Studios, and we've seen it like hundreds of times, and we love it. And but the only two people who sing live in that show are Gaston and Belle. They're the only two people that sing live. Everyone else lip syncs or is you know a big mascot costume. And normally Gaston is played by like an older, very buff. 
baritone. Mm. Like, like, like he's like older, and you're like, this is weird, but he sounds great, and he's got all this chest hair. The last time we went to see it, it was like this young guy who was like, um, uh, right from the moment when I met her, saw her, oh, no. I said she's gorgeous, and I fell. I, 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 my brother and I just like gripped each other's legs, like this is the we're seeing the performance of a lifetime. Here in town, there's only she who is beautiful as me. <laughs> One of these days, you're gonna marry me, Belle. Like oh, that was the whole thing. No, I was no. I was over the moon. Not I was so happy. Oh my god, poor Gaston. Or a Star Wars chime Gaston. Star yeah, 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 Star Wars chime boy Gaston. Since you are within the Disney family and you have had the opportunity to go to a lot of different things, uh-huh. what's the most secret or fun Disney space you've ever been to? Whoa, huh? That's a good. That's a great question. Uh, you know, I, I have an I have an answer for this actually. Oh, Go ahead. Never mind. Going backstage at Animal Kingdom Ooh. is crazy mm. because first of all, I didn't know the Flight of Passage and Navi River Journey are in the same building, same show building. Yeah, which blew my mind. And then just driving around and seeing like the there is so much space. Yeah, there's so much space, and there's all this greenery and all this stuff. You know, the the nursery and the the clinic, and they like grow. It, it, there's just so so much space and driving around back there and also seeing like because you'll you'll find backstage like there was a boat from maelstrom backstage at epcot i think just generally backstage seeing the weird oh backstage at space mountain was mm. crazy because in disney world in disney yeah. world because they bring you through the exit and then around the back and there's like old like tomorrowland speedway cars and like all the cast members oh, have written on wow. the wall like I've See, never seen that. It's it's truly like an industrial. Because you, so backstage. you guys, this is very insidery, but yeah. you guys, there's um, I don't have to say this. I'll have to clear it. But there's like a line, and some people who get VIP tours get backdoored. Wait. Which yeah, means that they don't that. go through the crowd. Yeah, Correct. so when you get back to it, you see other stuff that even other people who are on VIP tours right. never see. It's the extra exclusive. It's, yeah. it's like a secure, especially for Josh when, when we visit the parks, like it's a security Yes, thing. that's why they do it, yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and it's, but that means you got to see stuff we, that I've you never see seen some crazy in stuff. Definitely. Yeah. You definitely. see some very, very, wow. very neat stuff. Next time we're there together, you can come with the party. Oh, yeah, just like, yeah. oh, you can go on the ride. I just want to see the... Yeah, take the guide back. I want to see the debris back here. Exactly, Yeah, yeah. I want to see where I want to see your workplace. Yeah. Okay, I don't want to go on any rides. I just want to just... see the place that you call work. Honestly, like, like I said, like High School Musical kind of took off, and then the pandemic happened, and yeah. we couldn't go outside. So it was just so jarring because all I could understand and fathom from what was happening was through the internet, and numbers don't make sense. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so so. Um, uh, what was my point to that? Uh, just like the disconnect between all of it happening while you weren't in a community. Like yes. You were just yeah, so far totally. removed from people. Right. So then once it came time to, you know, now that I could go to Disneyland again, now once we started being able to go out in the world, I started getting into fight or flight mode 24 7 when I went outside. It was. Oh, yeah. Because you went from nothing to everything. Exactly. And it would be like, it. my mind would just see them as a threat because it's like I'm having a conversation and all of a sudden I'm being filmed. And now all I can focus on yes. is the fact that there's a camera on me. And without even thinking I'm in fight or flight mode. But. I'm genuinely mean it. That's it's the Disney Wish magic. There's something about this cruise where right when we got to Disney World, we walked in, we didn't have a guide because it was so last minute, but mm-hmm. we're like, whatever, we're just gonna go. We were followed by fifty teenage girls. <laughs> Literally followed for a hundred yards. Yeah. And we were just like kept going, just like maybe they'll go away and maybe they'll come up to us, but we're not gonna turn around and be like, hey. So we just kept walking. Eventually they caught up and I genuinely full fight or flight mode. Like it shut me down. 
Like, it was fine. I interacted. It was great. And then, like, I was sort of like, oh, my God. And then we were waiting in line for Guardians. And even for, like, the entire time we were in line, I was still, like, <sighs> yeah, and calming down. And then there was this moment where, like you said, it, they're just people. And they just knew you first. And yeah. I just, it was this thing where I was like, we're all going to be stuck on a boat together where it can't hide. So why not embrace instead yes. of being so reluctant and so fearful of like being filmed all the time? Why not just enjoy yourself and be like, if they're filming, I hope they enjoy what they're seeing. Like, yes. you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. we're still dancing in the halls. We're still like right. having yeah. like dance parties totally. and goofing off and doing our thing. Cause that's yeah. what we're here to do. And if, if somebody wants to join in, yeah. Come on over. Totally. You know, it's 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 wonderful. Anyone who's uttered the words Genie Plus knows firsthand that vacations require time, money, planning, energy. And if you put all that effort into enjoying your trip already, why not extend the highlights of that getaway into your everyday with FrameBridge? Put that vintage Epcot ticket up in your office and give it a little personality. Surprise your kid with their favorite character's autograph immortalized on the wall of their room. FrameBridge makes it so easy and affordable to custom frame any photo, park map, or even cocktail napkin from a theme park hotel bar in just minutes. You can mock up exactly what it'll look like on their website before you even spend a dime. Things ship fast and they ship for free, and their colorful custom framing means they'll not only help you plan your gallery wall, but make sure your place looks cooler than the interiors of that mid-century modern home within Spaceship Earth. I love the mementos I framed with FrameBridge so much that I rearranged my entire office so I can enjoy them daily. This is not a bit. This is this is true life. They're the backdrop to my podcast Zoom interviews, my Instagram stories, and even the goofy photos we take of Pearl tip-tapping away at my keyboard like she's a miniature employee. Too often, our favorite memories of a vacation are tucked inside our phone or shoved within a drawer. And it thrills me to no end that because of FrameBridge, I can finally be surrounded by my memories. FrameBridge makes custom framing easy, affordable, and enjoyable. And on top of that, their happiness guarantee ensures that no matter what, you'll wind up with something you love. To get started, head to FrameBridge.com, because your precious travel memories shouldn't have to stay in the past. That's FrameBridge.com. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. If 2021 was the year of Taryn Killam, 2022 was the year of his bud, Bobby Moynihan, who, duh, Taryn introduced me to and urged me to have on the podcast. Rightfully so. I mean, I had been obsessed with Bobby's connection to the Muppets ever since seeing him perform live with them at the Hollywood Bowl, but I did not anticipate just how deep we'd get with Muppety conversation here on the podcast. We talked about so much, like how weird it is to encounter George Lucas's son after famously doing an impression of his dad, his wild collection of memorabilia, specifically for Star Wars, but for so much else, including Lost. But because I am singularly minded about the Muppets, I'm choosing to replay that bit right here. 
Yeah, it was the craziest thing. I got a phone call saying, hey, we're doing a live Muppet show. Would you want to come with us and host it? And I I had just had a baby and like 10 days before. And I was like, yes. And like <laughs> and I have I have pictures of my daughter on stage of the Hollywood Bowl. She's like a peanut. She's like 13 days old. Like I, I, I was like, yeah, it was uh, looking back now is a dumb thing to do. But like, I'm so happy I didn't. I'm so happy it didn't dawn on me not to do it. Because it was, yeah, I hosted the Muppet Show six times, <laughs> and one it was the greatest. It was like, it's it's the best. It, it's 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 absolutely insane. Uh, so there uh, there are moments. There are literally moments that happen like once a month, where every once in a while I'll just stop, and I get a flash of just standing there with all the Muppets and Paul Williams singing uh, Rainbow Connection, and I just go like, <laughs> what? It, it happened. It was it real. Yeah, it's super bizarre. I have a very distinct memory of being a child and going to the Galleria Mall in Westchester for, at Christmas time. And like the Christmas display was like this giant Christmas tree with a bunch of animatronic like Muppets. Like it was like and it was gore and it was like gorgeous and it was huge it was like three stories tall and i would go there just to like stare at the tree because i was like the muppets are here like i'm like i didn't get it as a kid and i thought they were beautiful and i think i weirdly enough i just think it stuck with me i've i don't know why i've just always loved them i was uh, you know i went to yukon like the only school in america with a puppetry department and that was like one of the main reasons why i went because like i just wanted to take puppetry classes and like be around i've just always found it fascinating because i'm so cool i loved the muppets i still do i i i remember being upstairs at snl and looking out the window and looking downstairs from lauren's office and it was the christmas tree lighting and seeing all the muppets like setting up and I just ran. I physically, I just, my body, like I physically, my body ran downstairs before my brain knew what was going on. And uh, I've I've been friends with them ever since. They they're all super nice guys. Uh, I met Dave Goals, who who played Gonzo and still does. And like, I ran up to him. I was like, Mister Goals. He's like, you know who I am. I was like, you're my. I was like, I love you. I love you so much. Well, you have a Muppet. What's going on there? I have a bunch. I have a-, a bunch of Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got a bunch. Like a yeah, like a I don't cast know of a show or like three? No, I I there I met a, a lot of people who make these things. Like one of the guys who worked on SNL was named Bob Flanagan. He used to work with the Muppets. He he worked with Jim Henson when they originally were on SNL, like in the first couple seasons, and he just stayed at SNL instead. And he would make, you know, he was kind of the guy that made all of the puppets and stuff for SNL. And then I, that's how it started. One day he like asked me for tickets. He was like, hey, if you ever get tickets, could you throw them my way? And I gave him a bunch of tickets and I was like, any chance you could make me a, a Muppet? And they made <laughs> he made a Muppet of Drunk Uncle for me. And then no. And I went like, oh, my God. And then he made a Gonzo. And then like I just started yeah then i just started finding people who were like i'm like what do you do and they're like i make puppets and i'm like do you want to come to snl and they're like sure and i was like make me a, a grover and like <laughs> yeah because i'm an adult male with priorities I love so now like, i have a lot of weird muppets 
there's like a black market exchange of tickets to the show just to like amass as many puppets as possible. Oh, I guarantee you in the history of Saturday Night Live, I am I lead the pack by doing the weirdest things with my tickets easily by changing in tickets for the weirdest things possible. Also, don't forget, Bobby, who was part of the DuckTales cast, can now be heard on the DuckTales World Showcase Adventure within the Play Disney Parks app. So be sure to check that out. It just launched, and I'm thrilled that Bobby's now a part of Epcot. Now, we were lucky enough to be joined by a lot of special people this year. Who could forget the director and producer of Turning Red? Or multiple Walt Disney Imagineers? Or that time I walked through Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway with a CEO who is no longer with the company. But gotta say, none of them hold a candle to my American Airlines seatmate, John Stamos. The thing is, I, I plan on doing this podcast for a while, but no one is really the pinnacle of Hidden Mickey Mountain like Sir Stamos. And I am both flattered and honored and also grateful that he spent so much time recording that episode with us. So much that we split it into two, two full episodes. He was so gracious, talked about so many different experiences that he's had with the Walt Disney Company, and I wish I could genuinely replay it all right here, but that would be a little bit too long. So here are some snippets of my favorite parts of that interview with John Stamos. So John and I met on a flight from Chicago to L.A. Oh, yeah. So why, where was I was by myself, right? You were by yourself. I was well, like, I, I, was I don't know why I was in like such a scattered state, but I was like, screw it. I'm flying first class home because usually I yeah. kind of like being a little like a little bug in a tiny seat and coach. And yeah. I was like, no, nah, I'm flying first class this time. Yeah. And so why I, were you in Chicago? I was in Chicago visiting my family. Me too. I was visiting your family. Why was I there? Uh, my mom wishes, honestly. Um, you were there because you were playing with the Beach Boys at Ravinia. Right, 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 right. I went on the plane and it was one of those flights where I was exhausted. I think it was because it might have been because we were just briefed about, oh, no, that's what it was. I had gone to my old overnight camp for like uh, a reunion thing. So yeah. I was sleeping in like, a, like an overnight camp bed. Not the best accommodations, <laughs> but I loved it. And was on my way back from that and was just as haggard as one could be, wearing compression socks, wearing sweatpants, just a, like a full-blown hobo. Yeah, and but you had, a cool, said, you had a cool Mickey shirt. That's what I noticed. You had a cool like, I old did, Yes, Mickey I had a shirt. Disney, I think I had like a Disney shirt or sweatshirt on. I just said that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was just agreeing. Okay, good. Go ahead. <laughs> But I just remember, like, I remember hopping over a person to get to my seat because I had this ducky bowl. It was this, like, ceramic bowl of ducks. Oh, yeah. It's a yeah, family. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's like my grandma's, like, it was oh, from yeah. my grandma. And I was like, yeah. I'm, this is the trip. I'm bringing it home. It's my most precious thing. Yeah. And so I had, like, had this gigantic backpack, like a big old dork. And I remember yeah. sitting down and being like, oh, f- <laughs> What? I didn't think I was going to see anyone. And then I'm like, Oh, the like the other huge Disney fan on this flight just happens oh. to be sitting next to me. For the first hour, you didn't even look at me. You weren't talking. You didn't think. And then I didn't think. It, I didn't realize it was you for a while. You just said you just got nervous because you thought. Anyway, and I saw, saw that you had the Mickey shirt. I said, "Oh, this, I hate it." You know, like I, I was like, "She's from Disney. I'm going to impress this girl with all my Disney knowledge and my 
crap that I stole from the parks. And then uh, you were like, oh, yeah, hi, well, I write, and I'm a, I'm a college graduate. I said, oh, shoot, yeah. And then we did, we jabbered for like four hours, huh? Yeah, truly for the entire flight to the point Great. where I think I caught, because again, you got to remember, like, I looked, I looked like I was wearing the last outfit I owned. Like, it was <laughs> not good. I didn't notice <laughs> that. No, it was it was bad. And I remember seeing some woman across the aisle from us look at us and be like, is is, is this man in danger talking oh, no. to this woman for so no, long? No, no, no. I do remember, I think a stewardess did say, like, is she bothering you? I'm like, no. I'm sure. I'm sure. Because they were like, because that's, you know, whenever you see like a stranger talking to a, a notable person, it's like, oh, no. God, we got to save him from this. Little no, did yeah. they know that we were going deep into like Disney memorabilia. I'm sure I was bugging you more than... um. Uh, I was bugging you more than you were bugging me. Wait, it was great, and I was happy to meet you. But then I didn't hear from you for like a year, so I thought, oh well, I guess I wasn't that impressive. Listen, I, you know, we're we're busy here. We had to make time for you. Oh yeah. <laughs> What's your dream thing to do at one of the parks? Like, if you could do anything you want, and don't say streak down um, Main Street because that's not cool. I really, you know, I don't think I've thought much about it. But one thing I would want to do, which you've kind of, you've almost done it, is that I would love to scuba dive next to Scuba uh -huh. Mickey in yeah. the Living Seas. And you, I know you scuba dove at Living Seas in that Full What's House episode. But, yeah. But I want to do it with Scuba Mickey. I think with Scuba Mickey, uh, maybe not, they didn't. I did it with Scuba, I did it with no, Scuba uh, Dave Couillet. That was, you know, he's kind of like Mickey. Yeah, that's close. <laughs> it's almost well, that's good. good. Do you remember... Like, do you remember of doing course. that episode at all? Because I don't know if you know how iconic it is for oh, really? people my age. I, I, well, I do remember it, and I remember it very fondly because, A, I think it was one of the first times that we really had special treatment. It was the first time I had a guide, this guy, Rob Highfield, I remember. And I, and I got to bring my parents and my sisters, and it was like maybe one of them. My dad died, you know, like five or six. But it was I think it was the, the last time we ever went to a Disney or, or Disney World. So that was very, very special to me. And I have beautiful pictures and memories. And uh, Lori Loughlin and her, and her mom and dad came. And I think her dad, is, you know, was passed passed away. There. What are you laughing? Um, and, uh, oh, no, that's Bob, so sweet. You know, Bob, we can talk about him. But we, um, you know, Bob and I, we all spent, so it was just a beautiful trip. So, yes. And, you know, getting to play in front of the castle. Do you remember at the end of it, it was like we did A Dream Is A Wish Your Heart Makes. And, you know, I said, I want fireworks. I said, oh, okay. And uh, let me see, as I play the song, let's have, I want a string section. Okay, okay. And and how about a choir? Oh, sure, John. It was like that. And then I remember showing up to shoot that. It was kind of at night. And they, they invited all, uh, you know, as many cast members that wanted to come. It was like thousands. And they were, it was so great. It was just one of those magical nights that I'll never forget. Mike Love happened to be, from the Beach Boys, was doing a show at, somewhere around there it wasn't the beach but and he came over and said hi it was really special what else was that that was cool huh? I, I sang in the grand floridian right the, yes so it's like the grand floridian for millennials like me like we were i think introduced to it in a very specific way through that episode where now like it's tied it's fused together what for about all kokomo now see we were on tour we did a they'd recorded kokomo about a year or so before it was we were playing it live in the show and it was like the i call it the, it was like the bathroom song where it was like you know we start playing kogamon like you know thousands of people all at once stand up and go to the bathroom or get a beer you know whatever and um, we were doing they were doing a special we they were doing a special for abc with the fat boys and they they recorded wipeout and so we were and so we were the first guests at we were the, like the guinea pigs at this grand floridian they were trying out recipes. we want a gator on a bun no thanks they were trying out recipes and trying keys and things and then we shot that at that little fake beach down there 
Um, and we were doing the special, but then they said, well, it's starting to rain. Can we just, we, can we do a couple passes on Kokomo? We're just going to line up two, you know, cameras and, and we maybe played through it once or twice. I think the thing I think most of is like, what was I thinking wearing a fuchsia tank top? Oh my God. But I assume you've been to every secret Disney space that exists. Um, I haven't been in the Matterhorn. There's, there's, a, isn't there a basketball court or something out there? Yeah. I, I have to say too, I think, I just loved this band, Papa Do and Run. I talked about them earlier. I don't think... Do you know who they are? Why are you laughing at me? Do you know them? <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't. They were this band there in the 70s and 80s. Uh, and um, and we would go, they played Beach Boy music in old you know, 50s and stuff. And I got turned on to 60s and I got turned on to all that. Um, and so when I got to play on stage with them years later when I, I was on General Hospital, whatever, that was... That's a special one. Play at the space stage or the, the stage that would go up and down. It was, a, it was a wonderful childhood that I had there. You know, it was innocent. You know, it was, I mean, it was just a, it was just a beautiful way to, to, to grow up. It sounds like you were going there all the time when you were a kid. Once, not when, not when I was younger. It was a once a year, like a birthday or something. But as I got, like, my, like I said, my best friend Mike and I, we clicked on Disney and we would, you know, when I was 15, he was 16, he just got his license. And so we would take his, his, 280Z or whatever he had and we would go to we would go it was a pretty and a great place to take dates and I remember there was I, I was on, on television then and, and there was a girl that I just had this mad crush for and I was at my friend's house before the going to Disneyland and I was listening to to the Beach Boys version uh, Beach Boys had this song called Disney Girls that Bruce Johnston wrote it's beautiful do you know that song? No I'm just I'm blown away by this. Keep going. I want to hear it. And so I'm at my friend's house playing the record over, waiting for this girl, Julie, to show up so we could take her to Disney. And she never showed up. And I'm just playing Disney Girls over and over. And the other night we were playing in, playing at Royal Albert Hall. And we were doing that song. And I was sitting next to Mike. And I and I was thinking, like, oh, man. Like, you know, 20, 25, 30 years ago, I was, like, listening to this record, waiting, being stood up by some girl to go to Disneyland. And here I am on that stage with those guys. Pretty good. I, I can't believe how like cry. like your life sounds like a television show, <laughs> like like a lifetime, you, like a bad TV. No, 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 like a good, like a good cable, like a, or like a mm. network show that goes for many seasons. Well. Uh, because like you, you spent a lot of time when you were young at Disneyland. Like mm-hmm. Beach Boys are part of that narrative. Mm-hmm. Then you got to play music at at the parks as like also while you were acting, you were acting and performing, and now you just. Played that song live before you went with your Disney fan and wonderful wife and child to a Disney cruise. It doesn't get better. I mean, it, do- it doesn't. I-, I don't know what I did in past lives to deserve this, but I'm not going to question it. I, I, I just, um, I've said this a hundred times. I just, I wake up every day and uh, with gratitude and I, I write, I make a list every day of all the things I'm grateful for. And, um, and I wrote today that I get to talk to you. <laughs> That's it for reflecting on 2022's episode of Very Amusing. I just want to say thank you all so much for listening and making this podcast possible. Because without you, I would be a woman sitting in her home talking to herself every week. And that would surely be a bit strange. (laughs) So from the bottom of my theme park loving heart, thank you to each and every one of you who make Very Amusing a reality. And... Though we do have one more episode this year, I can't wait to see you again in 2023. 
Hi, Carly. Uh, this is Austin from North Carolina. First of all, I'm so excited for you. Congratulations on your pregnancy. I sometimes forget that this is a parasocial relationship, and I can't ask you personal questions, so I'm going to resist that urge um, and instead talk about the fact that I'm very excited uh, for Shrek's Ember. I love celebrating Shrek, celebrating Hanukkah. He absolutely needs to be the Universal Studios representation during Hanukkah. Um, but also, I think a lot of people forget or just don't know that uh, on the Disney side of things, Spider-Man is semi-canonically Jewish. Um, there's a great TikTok um, by a woman on uh, by the, who goes by Rabbi Comics on TikTok, and she talks about a lot of his Jew- Jewish coding. So I just would really like to see him represent Hanukkah during the holidays at Disneyland. Um, you know, something as simple as just putting that man in a Hanukkah sweater, I feel like would be nothing but a good thing. So what are your thoughts on that? Thank you for taking my call. And again, congratulations. Okay, so if I thought I was blown away finding out about Shrek's Jewish origins a few years ago, this call is doing the same thing for other characters. The account that was mentioned, I uh, let me make sure I have the URL right, or the handle. It's Rabbi Comics. Oh my goodness. This is an absolute treasure trove. It is run by a progressive rabbi who loves comics, just as the name would state, just as was mentioned in the call. And it turns out there are way more Jewish characters in Marvel Comics and in DC than I knew that I had ever heard of. Oh my goodness, Austin, you were not kidding around. And this rabbi goes in depth and makes these TikToks about how nearly all of them have had their Jewishness erased. And then conversely, I was watching way too many of these too late at night, but apparently Kate Bishop in the Hawkeye series, so not in the comics, but in the series, at her aunt's place where she was staying, there's a mezuzah on the door, which means that Kate does have some Jewish family. So there's all this stuff about things that are being removed in the comics and how the TV shows are dealing with it. And oh my God, this is so interesting. But to get to the bulk character, here is just a snippet of what Rabbi Comics says about Spider-Man. If anyone makes the sad choice to argue with me that Spider-Man isn't Jewish, this is just one of my favorite panels to send them because you can't argue with it. I mean, Spider-Man has been using Yiddish since he was created in the 60s. He is Jewish. I mean, like, I I, I feel like this is an awakening. Like, this is a new season of of what Shrek Simber could be. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for cluing me into this. I cannot wait to learn more immediately. And Austin, thank you so much for the kind words about impending parenthood. The whole thing is wild, but here we are, and I am so grateful and Thank you so much. Thank you so much for this call. Wow. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. That's our show! 
you all so much for listening, both now and in the past. If you want to catch up on any of the episodes you missed that we called out in today's year-end episode, you can find them all on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Don't forget, while you're there, to rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts and rate and follow on Spotify. It's like a holiday gift that costs you exactly zero dollars and is very appreciated by the whole team here at Very Amusing, which is more than me, I promise. It's like mostly me and Jeff, but also we all appreciate it. You can give us a call at 747churros, text us a voice note, or email it to 747churros at gmail.com. Again, I went through the churros hotline this week. I responded to a bunch of people over text. It's very fun to be able to talk to you there. It's like maybe my favorite type of social media because I just get to just to get to text back and forth. It's so much easier than like a Twitter or a Twitter, uh, res- you know, at reply or an Instagram inbox. It's just kind of fun. It's just kind of fun. You can buy and wear a very amusing merchandise and find it at very-amusing.com. I will never be good at selling merchandise verbally. <laughs> I will never be good at saying those words out loud. It's just really hard. I'm not a not a salesperson. I'm, I'm just a communicator. I'm a gabber, which is why I'm here. But yeah, if you want Shrek's Ember hats, if you want shirts, if you want sweatshirts, head to very-amusing.com. You can follow me at Carly Wiesel on Twitter. I mean, for now, until the world burns, on Instagram, on TikTok. And you can join the family at facebook.com slash groups slash Carly Wiesel. This episode was edited fastidiously by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hey, honey, it's mom. It's late again. It's like three in the morning again. And it's so cold out. It's like 20 degrees, but that's not Disney content. So let's get back to Shrek Sember and Shrek Sember Miracle because I loved that you audio taped this tour. So we can all enjoy it. That was risky, but a lot of fun. And I hope you're not in trouble. But um, when you do take your maternity leave, music to my ears. I'm so happy. I can't stand it. Um, when you do take it, you know how Ellen and Wendy Williams take a break and they have a guest host? Maybe, just maybe, I can take over for a while. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Okay. The mirror room that you were talking about for like five minutes. Oh, my goodness, I would have been freaked out. I'm so claustrophobic. Ben must love you so, so much because your dad would never have done that with me, ever. And as far as after the tour with the gift shop, the Shrek airs, oh, my goodness. If I was with you, I would have talked them into selling me a pair of Shrek ears for you, definitely. Either that or I'd be in jail for causing a scene, but it would have been worth it. I am now on the lookout for Shrek ears. You probably shouldn't have mentioned it because I'm on the lookout. Um, we talked about the Warner Brothers studio tour, and I've done that with you a couple times. I thought that also was a great, great tour. And on one of them, I don't know if you remember that I was with you, but I saw Star Jones on one of them. They were bringing her into one of the studios. Hey, that's something. Star Jones is great. And that's about it. Um, I just want to say I love you so much, and I can't wait to see you very, very soon. And I'm very, very happy, and I love you. I love you too, John Bye.